we're talking about what forgiveness is not and what forgiveness is and what that includes and what that entails and what that looks like. Because a lot of times we want to talk about forgiveness and, oh, well, I forgave them. But then what does that look like, you know? And I think that's a really good example with Sarah and her dad. And and I have a similar experience kind of with my parents. I won't go into a lot of uh, a lot of details, um, but it's not something I share very often. But I had a very traumatic um set of years with my parents, um, one parent in particular, and it, it was, it was very traumatic, um, and very long-lasting my mind, but it's not something that I ever shared with anyone, really, just me and my brother kind of went through it, and, um, it was funny because when I, I shared more details in small group, I won't because this is recorded, but, um, when I shared that, I, I said, you know, even though I went through those things, that a lot of people don't know that about me because that's not my identity. You know, a lot of times when we've been hurt by people, we want to wear that hurt around as a badge, like I am a child of abuse or something like that. And I said, you know, that's not my identity. That's not who I am or who I ever wanted to be. And so that's not something I share a lot. And it was funny because um, Sarah was in my small group and um, we... When I got done sharing some of the details of that and the forgiveness that came, um, at this point, Sarah and I have known each other for 12 years, and she was like, I never knew that about you. And I was like, no, because a lot of people didn't. But the interesting thing about that was is once I came back to Christ and he started knocking at my heart to, to say, you, you know, there needs to be forgiveness in this situation. And I called up my parents who were, they're divorced now, and I called them up. And the one was like, you know, I told, told him I forgave them. And the one was very much receptive and like, you know, I, I'm so sorry. You know, you're right. All of this happened. And let's, let's figure out how to build trust back, you know. And we'll talk about that some more. And then you have the, the other one who takes no blame, you know. I did nothing wrong. But still in that instance, I had to say, that's okay, I still forgive you. So there's two totally different ends of the spectrum um, in my story. So what does that look like for future interactions? And we'll kind of talk about that a little more. But in the one situation, I have a relationship with that parent. You know, I just spent the weekend with them, uh, with them helping me with my kids and all the different things. And the other one, I don't, you know. I maybe talk to once a year and maybe see once every two, not because I don't want to, just because there's still a gap there. There's still a void, not one that I want. But anyway, so we're going to talk about a little bit of of this and that. But as part of this, there's a story that I'm supposed to read, do you? So let me do that. So bear with me. And it goes along with this, so don't think it's for naught. All right. There was a uh, 10-year-old. Her name's Eva. She was 10 years old when her and her twin sister, her two older sisters, and their parents were transported from their small Romanian village to the Nazi death camp complex in Auschwitz. And this is a true story. Dr. Joseph Mengele conducted human experiments on approximately 15,000 sets of twins, among them Eva and her twin sister Miriam. The young girls were subjected to tests six days a week. On Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, they were taken alongside 50 to 100 other pair of twins, to a freezing room where they were naked and every part of their body was measured and compared to all their twin counterpart. On Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, blood was taken from their twin's left arm while substances were injected into their right arm. When an injection caused one of Eva's limbs to swell, resulting in a rash all over her body and a high fever, she was taken to the hospital barracks. There, she saw other patients who seemed more dead than alive. She saw the corpses of dead children on the latrine floor. Falling in and out of consciousness, Eva promised herself that she would be reunited with Miriam. And after two weeks, her fever broke, and she was returned to the regular barracks and her twin. Had Eva died, Mengele would have killed Miriam with an injection to the heart and conducted comparative autopsies, she later learned. In January of 1945, Eva and Miriam were liberated from Auschwitz, two of only about 180 children to survive at that camp. 
They never saw their older sisters or their parents again. And at the age of 16, both girls went to what was then the British Mandate for Palestine. After Israeli independence, Eva rose to the rank of Sergeant Major in the Israeli military. And in 1960, she married her husband, who was also a Holocaust survivor, and they settled in Indiana. And they have two children. Eva gained international attention when on the 50th anniversary of her liberation from Auschwitz, she publicly forgave Hans Munch, a doctor who had worked with Mengele at Auschwitz. She penned and signed a statement she calls Declaration of Amnesty while they stood together at a gas chamber ruin. The declaration granted amnesty to all Nazis who participated directly or indirectly in the murder of her family, and, uh, and millions of others, and to all governments who protected Nazi criminals for 50 years, then covered up their acts and covered up their, and their cover-ups. Since then, Ava says she's been freed for forgiving the people who did evil against her. She's also earned the enmity of other Holocaust survivors who say the horrors perpetrated, perpetrated on them by Nazis are unforgivable offenses. So there's more to that story that I'm going to read at the end. All right, so what does this look like biblically? We've shared some personal testimonies, right? And we shared the story from the Holocaust. But what does it look like from a biblical standpoint? So let's talk about Jesus and forgiveness, right? Because Jesus is all about some forgiveness. If you guys have your Bible or something else, you can turn with me to Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 through 35. Says, then Peter approached him and asked, Lord, how many times must I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? As many as seven times? I tell you, not as many as seven, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. When he began settling accounts, one who owed 10,000 talents was brought before him. Since he did not have the money to pay it back, his master commanded that he, his wife, his children, and everything he had be sold to pay the debt. At this, the servant fell face down before him and said, Be patient with me, and I will pay you everything. Then the master of that servant had compassion and released him and forgave him the loan. That servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him, started choking him, and saying, Pay what you owe me. At this, his fellow servant fell down and began begging, Be patient with me, please. I will pay you back. But he wasn't willing. Instead, he went and threw him into prison until he could pay what was owed. When the other servants saw what had taken place, they were deeply distressed and went and reported to their master everything that had happened. Then, after he had summoned him, his master said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Shouldn't you also have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And because he was angry, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay everything that he owed. So also my heavenly father will do to you unless every one of you forgives his brother or sister from the heart. So the servant was shown mercy for an astronomical amount of money that he wouldn't have ever been able to repay in multiple lifetimes. And yet the servant turned right around and chose not to extend that same degree of mercy and forgiveness to his fellow servant. Have you, ever, have you ever known someone who, it just makes me think of, have you ever known someone whose heart is just hardened? Have you ever met just a callous person, you know, that, yeah, the things may have went bad for them here or there, but they cannot be happy about anything, and it's always like they have to one-up the badness to everybody else. That's what it kind of reminds me of. So when we're talking about this, I have a question. We've talked a, lot about, a little bit about what forgiveness is. A lot of times that's hard conversations. In this situation, it's extending mercy, right? It's having compassion. But what is forgiveness not? That's something that we don't talk about a lot. And we opened up that can of, can of worms in our small group, and it was really just amazing, and I want to talk about a couple of those tonight. So forgiveness is not ignoring something or forgetting about it. I said, yes, what happened to me in uh, my teenage years, 
it wasn't my identity. It wasn't something I shared a lot. Now, did I ignore that or forget it? No, like it's seared in my mind. I'm never going to forget it. But I didn't ignore it either. But I let the Holy Spirit lead me on when to share it, if that makes sense. So it's not like I'm ignoring it or trying to forget it. I know it happened. There was forgiveness that was given. But now I feel like it's under the blood, and I don't have to carry it around anymore. So it's not that I'm forgetting it. It's not that I'm ignoring it. But it's now it's under the blood, and even though it happened, it happened, you know? But quite the opposite of ignoring or forgetting Let's talk about the previous chapter where Jesus points out that we should actually address things head on, okay? We should not allow them to lie, you know, lie around and just go. There's a lot of passive people that want to say or want to say they've been hurt by someone and they're like, oh, well, it's okay. You know, they didn't mean it or, or this or that or the other. And when you do that so many times, you're building a mound of bitterness in your heart. Oh, they didn't They didn't mean it. It's okay. Oh, the next person. Oh, they didn't mean it. You're setting yourself up to be a punching bag for one, which God does not want for you. But also, you're, you're building a mound of, of bitterness and unforgiveness in your heart. Jesus talks about in this passage that we're about to read uh, that we, we have to, to face things head on even if it makes things awkward, you know? Even if it hurts a little, we have to to step out and do those things. Did I want to call, you know, grown me who was recently married and had started my new life, didn't even live in my hometown anymore, did I want to call both of my parents and just dig up some old dirt? No, that sounds terrible. Why would I ever want to do that? But the Holy Spirit wouldn't let that lie in me. He was like, no, like this is in your heart it's in the corner. You got it swept away. You got, you know how sometimes you got this mess. I don't know. Maybe I'm the one that does this. And you're like, I'm just going to move this furniture right over top of that. No one's going to know it's back there, right? You got this little secret garbage pit back there. That's what happens to your heart. And the Holy Spirit's like, hey, I still see that. And so you kind of just got to clean up and clean out, right? So let's go up a little ways from where we just were. Same chapter, 18, verse 15. Jesus is still speaking here. He says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. And if he listens to you, you've won your brother. That sounds great, right? Let's just stop right there for a second. That sounds wonderful. I went and I, and I said, hey, what you did the other day, what you said the other day, that really, that kind of hurt me, you know? And... As adults, sometimes it's hard to have those hard conversations, but that's what being an adult is sometimes, too, is having hard conversations. Um, and so, you know, Kayla and I are good friends, and if Kayla, you know, said something in passing that, you know, kind of hurt my feelings, and I'm just, all week long, I'm kind of gritting my teeth about it. I'm like, man, why did she say that? That really hurt my feelings. I'm going to go up to Kayla and be like, hey, Kayla, why'd you say that? I mean, that kind of hurt my feelings a little bit, and we're going to have an adult conversation about it, Okay. I'm sure she didn't mean it. It probably didn't mean to come off like that. If you're part of my family, they're blunt as blunt can be, and words come out of their mouth, and they're like, I don't even know why I said that. And I'm like, I don't know why you did either. But that's just where we're from, apparently. But anywho, um, sometimes they don't even, it doesn't even mean to come off that way. But if you let it lie and don't approach it, and let there be reconciliation, then it can, it can really fester. <laughs> there was the other day, uh, our middle daughter, Phoenix, for two days, she kept saying, Mom, my foot hurts. Mom, my foot hurts. And I was like, I, mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't understand why your foot hurts. She was like, by the third day, she's like, I can't hardly walk on my foot. And I was like, did you hurt it? She was like, no. And I was like, finally, I was like, let me see your foot. And for three days, she'd been walking around with a splinter like this big in the bottom of her foot. And I'm thinking, okay, one, I'm a terrible mother. I've neglected this for three days. Um, But two, I'm like, honey, if you don't get that out, it's going to fester and get infected. And you really aren't going to be able to walk on this foot. And that's how it is with offense, guys. That's how it is with hurt. It's like a splinter that's right under the skin. At first, it's just a little annoying. But then by like day three, you're like, I can't even walk, right? And so let's 
dive back into this a little bit. This first, these first two sentences is great. That's, that's what you're looking for, right? You went, you confronted it, it's over. But what happens if they won't listen? Well, Christ says, take one or two others with you so that by the testimony of two or three witnesses, every fact may be established. Okay, I just want to stop right there. Just give you a little nugget of wisdom. It says, and I repeat, take one or two others with you so that by the testimony of two or three witnesses, every fact may be established. It says take them with you to that person, to confront that person, not take two or three in the back room and busybody about this unforgiveness. I just, that's just a little nugget of wisdom, wisdom for you there. It's not you need to go talk about it with two or three others. It's you need to take those two or three others with you and say, hey, Kelsey, Morgan, um, I'm having this issue with Kayla. Would you mind meeting us at Purdy's and we're just going to have a roundtable discussion about it? And maybe you guys can give some words of wisdom, right? All right. Just so we're clear on that one. It says, if he doesn't pay attention to them, tell the church. Ooh, that sounds dicey. I don't, I don't know about that one. It says, tell the church. That's hard. I hope it never gets to that. But it says, if he doesn't pay attention even to the church, let him be like a Gentile and a tax collector to you. Meaning, you don't associate with that person. Truly, I tell you, whenever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly, I tell you, if two, if two and you on earth agree on any matter that you pray for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there among them. So, that was a lot. But Jesus, he's just, he gave us a lot of wisdom and knowledge in that situation because sometimes, like I said a while ago, it would be great if I went to Kayla and everything was just great. And, and that happens a lot of times. If you have two very mature Christian adults, that can happen. Yes, if any of, any, any of you in here are married, you know that if you go to your spouse with an offense and you can have a mature you know, conversation, that's great, right? But if it's something that's, I don't know, needling, it may not go so great, right? So... You don't have to bring your husband before the church or anything. Don't, don't do that. But um, sometimes if there's not mature Christians, then that's where you bring your, some wise counsel into the situation. I know that there's been plenty of times where, you know, people ask to sit down with Pastor Moody or, or Dylan or maybe Joe and I or whatever because they have a problem, whether it be husband or wife, whether it be friend and friend. They've tried to talk about it. But there can't be mature conversations to be had for whatever reason. And that's where Christ is saying, okay, that's okay. You tried. Now let's try the next step where we're going to wise counsel and we're saying, okay, this is what happened. This is what he or she said when I approached them about this. And now we need your wise counsel to kind of help us here. And it says, if it still is not getting any better, then you've done your part. Forgive and move on. Right? So, again, we're talking about what forgiveness is not. It's not ignoring. It's not forgetting. Jesus says, don't let it lie. Right? You got to hit it head on. And sometimes in some awkward situations. But it's going to be better in the long run. Because sometimes we need other people's perspectives. Right? If we're asking for counsel, that's great. Sometimes we need to bring in others in their, the equation to a greater degree. And then always... In these conversations, when you're bringing in wise counsel, the person's never alone. And that's important to, to point out because sometimes in these situations, the person feels like they're not being seen, they're not being heard. And that's when it's a good opportunity to bring in wise counsel when it comes to forgiveness. All right. What is forgiveness not? We still got some more. It's not agreeing with or making excuses for someone's behavior. I've been there. I don't know about anybody else. But I'm like, Oh, well, what they're doing, is, well, it's not, it's not so bad. It's okay. You know, I've seen my 
grandmother do that before and you know her kids turned out okay blah 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 you know that generational thing you're like my mom my mom you know I was with my she was with me and my kids this weekend and and she was like uh you know well we we did that to you and you turned out okay right I'm like that doesn't mean it's okay like you know you bust me in the mouth that don't mean I'm gonna do that to my kids I mean anybody else okay (coughs) but we're not agreeing with or making excuses for someone's behavior. I don't want to be going through life and saying, oh, that person hurt me. I allowed that person to hurt me. And I just continue to say, oh, well, they meant well. I know you guys have all heard um, the saying, the road to hell is paid with good intentions. Well, the road to bitterness is also paid with good intentions, okay? Uh, well, they meant well or they didn't mean it, Um yeah, I, I've been there with that one with they didn't mean it, you know, they weren't their self, all those things. Well, that doesn't mean that the hurt that you're feeling is not real, okay? So forgiveness is not agreeing with or making excuses for someone's behavior. And it's also not, and this is very important, tolerating the behavior or subjecting yourself to ongoing abuse, okay? A lot of people want to talk about forgiveness where... Um, you forgive them, but then you stay in that same vein. Well, that's not healthy for anybody, okay? So if you can have a mature conversation, there's reconciliation, there's restoration, there's things that are progressing in the right direction, then yes. But if you're just tolerating it and continue to subject yourself to those things, then that's not forgiveness, That is just allowing yourself to continue to be hurt and abused. All right. So nothing about forgiveness means that you have to continue to have an ongoing relationship with someone who's been destructive to you. Like I said before, with one of my parents, with my father in particular, he wanted to take like no no responsibility for anything. And that's fine that, that he doesn't want to do that. But that also doesn't mean that he has to be a huge part of my life. Would I like him to be? Yes. Do we have a relationship that we talk on and off throughout the year? Yes. Has he ever been to my house one time? You know, like, it's not like we don't have this huge, tight relationship. And for reasons, you know, because I'm not, have you ever, I don't know, maybe this is just me, but If I'm going to put an effort into reconciliation, if I'm going to put an effort into restoration, I would hope that that is reciprocated. Yes, I feel like that's healthy forgiveness. But if that's not, you can't force someone to fix a relationship. That's not your responsibility, okay? If, you know, if... uh, Let's go back to Kayla. (laughs) Kayla, if you... uh, you know, if you did this, we went through all this stuff and you still didn't want to fix our relationship as friends. Are we going to continue to be friends? I mean, probably not. <laughs> I mean, we're going to be acquaintances. We'll see each other at church. I'll be like, hey, Kayla, I'm going to be nice. Like, oh, Jensen's looking so cute, blah, blah, blah. But like, are we going to go hang out and go to the gym together or play on mom dates together? Like, probably not, right? Because I am not going to keep going to someone who's being destructive to me, right, without taking responsibility for it. Did Jesus say, this is very important, did Jesus say in anything of this right here, did he say that we had to do that? No, he didn't. He actually said, treat them as Gentiles and tax collectors. Colton, am I wrong that they kind of, they, those people, they're pariah, right? They're like, we don't associate, right? Okay, he's giving you permission that you can forgive and move on, okay? So don't feel guilty about that. You don't have to subject yourself to destructive behavior. You can't force someone to fix a relationship. That's not your responsibility. But Jesus says, like I said, treat them like the tax collectors. Think about how Jesus treated... um, Yeah, sorry, got off my notes here. All right. Think about how Jesus treated these two groups, the tax collectors, the Gentiles. He loved them, yes. He served them. That doesn't mean um, we're out 
you know, giving away burgers and hot dogs and the person that you've had this forgiveness for and but doesn't still want to be in your life, you're going to say, hey, um, I need you to take my spot. I can't give this person a burger, right? No, no. You still love them. You still serve them, but you can't use it as an excuse to keep doing what you're doing. All right, going back to the same old thing and giving people a pass without consequences. I think we kind of talked about that. Joe, you're getting repetitive in your notes. But, all right, we talked about what forgiveness is not. So, reconciliation, restoration, yes. Don't keep subjecting yourself to things. Don't ignore it. Don't forget it. Don't agree with or make excuses for someone's behavior. And don't just tolerate that behavior. So, what is forgiveness? Let's talk about that. What is forgiveness? Does forgiveness take two people? I got two head shakes. Anybody else got three head shakes? No? No? You are correct. It does not take two people. It takes one person, right? I mean, think about in the, some of the situations with the Holocaust even, um, that this kind of the story that we were reading. If someone has hurt you and then they pass away, how do you ever forgive them if it takes two people, right? Um, so it, forgiveness doesn't take two people. It takes one person being very vulnerable to try to fix something. And then it takes another person being mature enough to sit down and have a conversation and there be restoration and reconciliation. That's how it should go. That's what we just read. That's how it should go. But if it doesn't happen that way, then forgiveness is you having a a powerful experience of the heart. Just like that master and that servant where he said, have compassion on me. And he said, you know what? Okay. I am going to have compassion on you. I am going to forgive you. There's a choice. Forgiveness begins with a choice that you make, and this is very, very important, regardless of how you feel. And Joe's talked about this a lot. Like, it doesn't matter how you feel as Christians. Christ talks about that a lot. It doesn't matter how you feel, whether you feel like you're supposed to um, be shining a light to your coworkers. Like, it doesn't matter how you feel that day. You're still supposed to walk out what God's told you to walk out. The same thing here. It doesn't matter how you feel, right? Regardless of how you feel, you are still supposed to make a choice to forgive. There was a recent situation. It was crazy. I was talking to to Brittany who led the small group, but when we were in the small group, something happened um, with someone that I was very close to who just, I felt so betrayed. And I thought, well, good Lord, I haven't had to deal with this forgiveness thing in years. And then here I am in this small group about forgiveness and it happens right in the middle of it. I'm like, God, you're so funny like that. But Um, it happened and I felt so betrayed by this person that I had trusted for so long. Um, you know, they had said something and it kind of just cut me and I was like, wow, like I didn't think it would hurt that bad. I like, I really trusted this person and I'll be honest with you. The person immediately realized their mistake, you know, and they were like, you know, I didn't mean that I'm just having a bad day. I'm having a bad time, blah, blah, blah. You know, I've never hurt you, all these things. And that's great, that's great, and that's wonderful. I guess that's what you want to hear, right? But I didn't feel like being like, oh, that's okay. You know, have you guys been there? Uh, I didn't feel like being, that's okay, I forgive you. I'm going to be real honest. I wasn't very holy in this situation because, well, kind of, because Holy Spirit said, (laughs) Holy Spirit straight told me, tell this person you can't talk right now, that you will call them when you can. So that's what I did. Because Holy Spirit knows me very well. And Holy Spirit knows that I would go straight up Appalachia on somebody and let them know how I felt about this situation. And Holy Spirit was like, Sam, you can't do that. So he said, you need to let them know you're going to be on silence for a little bit. So it was. And um, sometimes you have to do that when it comes to forgiveness. Sometimes you just have to listen to the leading of the Holy Spirit for the right time. But you still have to make a choice. Because even two days later, 
when the Holy Spirit's like, okay, it's been long enough. I didn't feel like picking up the phone and saying, hey, I understand you're going through a hard time. I understand you didn't mean that very hurtful thing, but I forgive you, and it's, it's okay. We're going to be okay. Now, did I forgive that person truly in my heart? I did. Did, did I feel like I wanted to do that? No. This is very important. Has, has that trust been built back in that relationship? No. Because this is another thing that forgiveness is not. That was not in the notes. I'm just going to add it for you. Forgiveness is not trusting people. It is okay to forgive someone and then not trust them. Because when hurt happens, a lot of times it breaks trust in a relationship. Whether it be with a spouse, whether it be with a significant other, whether it be with a parent and a child, or whatever it may be, if it breaks that trust, you can forgive someone and say, hey, I do forgive you, honestly, truly. I would like to move towards restoration, reconciliation. But for me, and for anyone else going through this, that doesn't mean that I instantly say, oh, well, I forgave you. Now I completely trust you again. That's not what that means. Because if I, you know, if I trust someone with my dog and then they let them run out in the road and get hit by a car, and then I'm like, oh, it's okay. I forgive you. They have a broke leg. I took them to the vet. It's going to be okay. Am I going to trust them to watch my dog again? Probably not, okay? That would be stupid of me. So for me, even though I've forgiven this person, it takes time to build back that trust, and that's okay. That is okay. So that's something that forgiveness is not as well. It's not trusting someone. We have to choose to forgive feelings, whether or not we feel that way. But that doesn't change the choice that we forgave. And then in the process of reconciliation, in the process of restoration, then you can build back that trust depending on if that's a very mature relationship like we talked about before, or if they want to take no responsibility. If they don't want to walk through that together, then you can say, okay, I forgive you. You move on, okay? Forgiveness is a very complex subject. I'm going to throw that out there. There's a lot of different facets and avenues that you could go down with this, but I'm just giving you surface level here. All right, when we move from wanting to forgive to wanting the other person to hurt and feel pain, mm, this is what Lauren was talking about a while ago, that's where you move into bitterness. And this is where there, there's always a spiritual aspect to forgiveness, but this is where it really um, affects you spiritually is when you let bitterness set up in your heart. So Yes, I have to make a choice to forgive. No, I don't have to trust them. I don't have to subject my th- uh, myself to them. But whether I feel like it or not, I do have to put forth forgiveness. And if I don't, what is going to happen, like we talked about before, is it's going to be mounds and mounds of hurt and unforgiveness. And then you have a big pile of bitterness that you've crammed in the corner of your heart. You have to be honest with yourself when it comes to forgiveness. And I think it's really hard for maybe people with very passive personalities that are kind of nonchalant, that go with the flow, you know, that that they're just like, oh, it's okay, you know. You know, maybe I deserve that or whatever. But you don't. You don't deserve to be hurt. Um, You don't deserve to be walked over and all these things. And when you continue to let people do that to you, there's going to come a day when you're going to wake up and you're going to feel like you can't breathe because of the weight of the bitterness on your heart. So we have to choose to forgive. And then we have to move from wanting to forgive them to to say, what good intentions do I have towards this person, right? Because there's a difference in, like we said, forgiving someone 
but then also serving that person. Like we talked about if we are having a burger and fry line, you know, at the 4th of July and they come up and when you see them in your heart, truly, do you want to spit in their food? Okay, let's talk about that. Because if you do, then you have not forgiven that person, okay? If you want them to feel pain, okay, if you want revenge, then you have not forgiven that person. I was talking to my girls about this the other day because, again, my middle child, she's a fiery redhead, and um, she kept talking to her sister about how she... Her sister did something to her, and I don't even know what it was, but she kept saying, that's okay. I'll, I'll get you for that. She kept saying, I'll, I'll get you for that. I'll, I'll get you back like that. And I was like, mm, let's pause this conversation for a minute because what you're talking about is revenge. I was like, do you know what revenge is? And she was like, mm-mm. Well, you know, the way God lines things up, the next week at Children's Church, we were actually talking about revenge. And I was like, this is perfect. Um, so I got to re- explain revenge to my four-year-old, almost five-year-old, and was like, if someone does something to us, it may not feel nice, but we have to say we forgive them and not like in the back of our mind saying, that's okay, I'm going to get you back for that, you know? You might have just broke my baby, but I'm going to break your Barbie tomorrow, you know? We don't do that. Um, we're not five. So, again, if we have bitterness in our heart. You know, I think about that. There was a time when there was someone in my life, and any time I would see them, you know how you feel like you see someone or you hear their name, and you feel like your heart just seizes up because you have, like, this feeling towards them? Yeah, Bella's like, yes, I know, Uh uh-huh, yes. I was like that for a long time about somebody, and I was just like, ugh, made me just want to vomit any time I heard their name. And then finally the Holy Spirit's like, you know that feeling? that's unforgiveness. I'm like, no, I forgave that person. No, because if you really did, you wouldn't feel like you had to vomit every time you heard that person's name. So, just a nugget for you. All right. Does it make make us feel good to hold on to this pain? I hope not. I hope it doesn't. Um, Because these thoughts are contrary to a life of wholeness and keep us imprisoned. God wants us to extend forgiveness despite all that humanity has done. When we see forgiveness from God's perspective towards us, we can see how people are complex. They do hurtful and irrational things, and they're compromising. This creates a place in our heart to choose forgiveness despite whatever horrible thing that another person may have done to us. You know, I think about that, and I think of, about my life and all the bad decisions I made, all the, the, the wrong things that I did, or I said, and I, and I think, God, when I said yes to you, you forgave them all, everything. And I love what Pastor Moody says. He, he says he, he throws them into the sea of forgetfulness, and he, and he posts a no fishing sign, you know. And, and I love that about God. Because I remember when Joe and I first got married, we, we dated for like a year and a half before we got married. But the whole first year we were together, we were not um, followers of Jesus. I'll just say that. We were not followers of Jesus. And then the last three, four months, we came back to God and then we got married and all these things. But there was a lot of things we did in that first year of dating that was not nice, you know. We did a lot. We made lots of bad decisions, and so there would be times in the early parts of our marriage that you know we'd get in an argument, and you know how you do. You just want to throw something in somebody's face. You know, you're like those monkeys at the zoo that just get the poop and just throw it at people. Like that's what you want to do, right? You want to hurt them, and so there would always be times where he'd be like, "Oh, you did this, this, and this," and I'd be like, "Well, you did this," and it finally came to a point where after listening to Pastor Moody talk about that so many times, when he would bring up something, I'd be like, ho, 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 that's not who I am anymore. You can't bring that up. That's in the no fishing zone. Sorry, bud. That's not who I am. You can't bring that up. That's not part of this, right? And that's what God does in our life too. Like, there's times 
and this is a very important part, very important part of forgiveness. There's so many people, probably even in this room, the biggest, most important person that you have to forgive is yourself. Because I have been there. I was that person that I looked at so many bad decisions that I made and so many bad things that I said or did, and I thought, I'll never be good enough for God. I'll never be good enough for Joe. I'll never be good enough for his family, you know? And Colton's like, yeah, I know his family. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're, 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 they're very perfect people, and I am not. And so I was like, there's no way I could ever be good enough. And God's like, no, you're dealing with unforgiveness in yourself because we have to remember that when we give it to him, he throws it in the sea of forgetfulness. He posts a no fishing sign. And whether it's somebody else or us, because we're the one out there fishing all the time, when we get bored, when we get, you know, um, hung up on ourselves and our pity party, pity parties, we want to go, you know, grab some bait and just go out there and go fishing. Be like, let's see what we can dig up from our past today to make us feel bad, right? We do that. But we have to learn to forgive ourselves, and sometimes that's the hardest thing to do. But we have to be mature about it, and we have to say, God, I'm letting this go. I don't want to keep torturing myself. Have you... We talked about bitterness a minute ago, but have you ever had bitterness towards yourself? Because I have, and it hurts. It, it runs deep. When you, you look back at a situation, you're like, God, you're so stupid. And like, why? Like, that's embarrassing. Like, why would you ever do that? Like, how can you ever show your face in a mirror ever again? Like, I've been there. But then I say, God... But you've covered a multitude of sins. You've covered all of that. And even if it was yesterday when I stuck my foot in my mouth, which I do all the time because, again, I'm blunt. I'm sorry. But I do that, and then I say, God, why did I do that? Okay, God, just cover that. Forgive me, and then move on. Because if I didn't, if I didn't, then I wouldn't be able to look myself in the mirror, right? And anytime they said, you know, Pastor Joe and Sam, I would want to vomit at my own name, okay? I can't be doing that, right? Uh, forgiveness is a tough subject. But unforgiveness can lead to a life of striving. You know that song that they sung today? It's not about striving for perfection or any of that stuff. But when you're bound with unforgiveness, it feels that way. When you're bound with unforgiveness, it feels like you're just striving for some unattainable goal. And that's what it is because without him, without him, it's impossible. Whether you're forgiving yourself, whether you're forgiving someone else, because, again, it's not about how we feel, but it's because the Holy Spirit says, I see that mess behind that dresser. We got to deal with it. I see that pile that you keep piling on top of the other, and it's a mound of bitterness that's forming, and we have to deal with that. We have to create a place in our heart to choose forgiveness despite the horrible things that others may have done or that we have done. We find it difficult in ourselves to forgive, but we remember that God gives grace, right? We ask for grace to forgive because without it, he couldn't forgive us and we couldn't forgive others. We have to choose it and we have to keep choosing it every single time. You know, there's situations where you forgive and you're going through reconciliation. You're building back that trust. And, you know, maybe someone says or, do, or, or does something that just reminds you of a situation and you're like, oh, I could really use that. I could use that to, 
to seek revenge or I could use that to just build up some more bitterness or unforgiveness in my heart. But that's when we have to keep choosing to forgive. Oh, no, wait, no, God, thank you. I forgave them. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let that go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let that go because they haven't done anything else for me not to forgive them for. I'm just trying to go fishing again, right? So we got to ask for grace. And every time the enemy tries to resurrect those thoughts and those feelings in us, we have to choose to cover it with grace again. We find that we don't want to. We don't want the person to hurt anymore. And we can truly lay down that bitterness, then we know that we've truly healed and we've truly forgiven. You know, like Sarah was talking about with her father and, and how they have a relationship now. And she's truly healed. She's truly forgiven. And with my parents, you know, I have one that I don't. But I have one that I now have a better relationship now in my 30s than I ever did my entire life. Because we both chose forgiveness. We both chose to reconcile. We both chose to build that trust back. And then, you know, there's some days where I'm like, oh, but blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, I'm trying to go fishing again because that's not who that person is anymore. And I'm not that kid anymore. We're adults. If there's a problem, we're going to talk about it. So let's find out real quick while Matt comes to the music. What happens to Eva? Well, it says they interviewed her and they said, Eva, why did you decide to forgive the Nazis? This was when she was about 60 years old. I said, why did you decide to forgive the Nazis? And you'd be surprised at her answer. She said, I never really made the decision. I stumbled upon it. And here's the story of that. She said, Eva had seen Dr. Hans Munch, the doctor that helped the Dr. Mingle that did the experiments on her and her sister. He, she saw that he was mentioned in an interview, a German documentary about um, the twins that he had helped experiment on. So a year later, she decided to meet up with him herself to interview him and ask him some questions. Very bold move, but like we said, sometimes awkward conversations have to be had, right? So she said, we were sitting outside and Dr. Munch went inside five times and each time he brought out a pillow for me. And I said, Dr. Munch, what are you trying to do? He said, I want to make sure that that metal chair you're sitting on is comfortable for you. She thought, a Nazi doctor worried about my comfort? That didn't com compute with me. I was hoping to get some inside information about the experiments and how Auschwitz worked. So I asked him, how did the Nazis function in a place like that? As a human being there, how did you live your life? When work was done, how did you cope? He said that most Nazis in Auschwitz got drunk every night. That was their way of coping. But only he and Dr. Mingle, that did the experiments, didn't drink and that they had become friends. Mingle justified his killing and experiments by saying, well, they would have been murdered anyway, so at least I'll help keep them a while, alive for a while. I heard myself say, Dr. Munch, did you ever walk by or go inside a gas chamber? Did you know how they operated? He said, yes, 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 I did. This is the nightmare I live with every day of my life. When everybody was dead, I signed the death certificate of how many people were killed every time the gas chamber was operating. I asked him to go with me to Auschwitz and to sign a document about the operation of the gas chambers. I wanted proof, an actual document to witnesses that I could shove in their face that said, this is what happened to anyone that wanted to deny it. He immediately agreed. I was very excited. So when I came home to Indiana, I wanted to give him something, something as a gesture of my thanks and she says, I knew that the idea of thanking a Nazi doctor was crazy after all that he had done. So I never told my family or friends about it. I didn't want to just give him a thank you card, but something meaningful. So for the next 10 months, every time I had a few minutes free, I was cooking or I was doing laundry, I would ask myself, how can I thank 
this doctor for his time and and this document that he's going to sign for me. And this ideal popped into my head. Isn't that just like the Holy Spirit? An Auschwitz survivor giving him a letter of forgiveness. What a life-changing discovery that I, a survivor of these experiments, I had the power to forgive. So in 1995, Eva traveled to Auschwitz with her son and her daughter for the 50th anniversary in his liberation, and Munch gave her a paper, just like he said, documenting what he had seen while working in the Nazi camp. And in turn, she gave him the letter of amnesty. They signed the documents together at the ruins of a gas chamber. She read hers and she signed it and immediately felt that all the pain that she carried for 50 years was lifted off her shoulders. The souls of millions of people murdered there were my witnesses, she said. And I immediately felt very free, emotionally liberated by the ideal that even I have the power over these doctors and they can't do a single thing to change that. Soon after, Eva was at the U.S. Holocaust Memorial Museum, and she said a scholar came up to her, a Jewish scholar who served as the director of the museum, and gave her a hug and a kiss and said, I hate you for that forgiveness, because according to Jewish tradition, the perpetrator must repent and ask for forgiveness for it to be forgiven. Dr. Mingle didn't ask for it. He was already deceased. Dr. Munch didn't ask her to forgive him. But she said to the man, do I just remain a victim for the rest of my life? It gives the perpetrator power, and I have no power in my life then. That's absurd. So I decided to forgive, and I decided when to forgive. So maybe this Jewish tradition should be changed. We should never wait for the perpetrator to ask for forgiveness. It's the victim's right to forgive whenever they want. I think that was a pretty profound story that helped summarize our subject for tonight. I know when I get up here to speak, it's a little different than than Joe, but I hope that you at least got the gist of this, that forgiveness and having unforgiveness and bitterness Those things are very heavy, and forgiveness is very important. But we have the power to choose to extend grace, whether we feel to or not. And in that power holds healing. In that power holds reconciliation. And I hope that I was able to come across and let you know that there's some things that forgiveness is and there's some things that forgiveness is not. And that is a very important distinction as well. So tonight, as we come, I hope the Holy Spirit helps you review the contents of your heart to see if there's anything that you're hiding behind that dresser in the corner. You've been covering up for a little while. Maybe it's been decades Maybe it's stuff from your childhood. Maybe it's stuff from past relationships. Maybe it's just a random conversation that happened last week. But God can give you the grace to move forward into forgiveness. So as Matt plays, I ask that you guys would come.